I wanted to be rich. And I grew up with six kids, a single mom, who was an elementary school teacher. So you can imagine the extravagance that I lived in. David Meltzer is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Leigh Stenberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. I gave you that jacket to hang in your closet and remind you every day that you're not taking anything with you. He is a value-based speaker whose combination of inspiration, energy, and pragmatism has led to recognition by outlets such as Forbes and Entrepreneur, as well as starring role in WGN's World's Greatest Motivators. Sir, what an honor and a privilege to have you here on the Modern Warrior podcast. I have been very inspired by your work, by your words, but not only that, very inspired by the journey you've been on personally, because I know you've been a man who has had extreme, extreme ups and downs in your life. I listened to a short documentary where you spoke about losing $100 million and how you turned it all around and where perhaps that was the the turning point for you. But I was listening to, the, to that documentary and I thought, okay, this guy's rich. He's successful. He's made a lot of money. He's lost the money. Okay, you know, the story goes, you lose it, you gain it back again. But as I was listening to your story, I came to realize that you began to lose it all or you began to lose what was really important to you before you lost that money. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think that's the key distinction. I tell people all the time, my basement had a basement, but the basement started two years before I lost everything because I woke up empty, alone, hating the four people that were most relevant in my life. I hated my mom. I hated my dad. I hated my best friend and I hated my wife. Uh, and at that time, I realized that truly I hated myself, that I had not only over $100 million, but I ran the most notable sports agency in the world at the time. I had access to what billionaires uh, couldn't afford to do. And everyone wanted to be uh, in my shoes, in my situation. I was so worried about what other people thought I was that I forgot who I was. And uh, that energy gap, that void shortage obstacle in my life was insurmountable at the time. And uh, if it wasn't for my wife as the last straw, raising my awareness to who I was and what I wanted to be, uh, I'm not sure I'd be here today. And I owe her an immense amount of gratitude, not only for raising my awareness to what I was and what I wanted to become, but sticking with me through <laughs> the two years and past the two years to lose everything and to gain it back. Um, and I am ever blessed uh, with faith uh, that I am and that my journey is here to indicate what I'm doing to interfere with what I am. The first chapter of your, of your entrepreneurial life or your business life or your career, let's call it, seemed to have been fueled by pain and insecurity. Did you come to realize 
the source of that pain or insecurity as you began to to lose parts of that life? Yeah, it was fueled by scarcity that there wasn't enough, that I was a victim. Um, and from childhood traumas to growing up with a single mom and six kids, a mom who gave everything to her family and her community, I was fueled by the fact the only time I wasn't happy was when there was financial difficulties. Every single problem in my mind, the meaning that I gave, the defining moments, setbacks, failures, and mistakes, the traumas, the abuse, whatever it was, was relative to the fact that I was poor. And so in my mind, I was going to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of being rich, knowing that money would complete my happiness, that money would buy everything I needed, wanted. If I wasn't happy, I'd buy more things, different things. If I wasn't happy, I'd buy things to impress people I didn't like. But money was my God. I remember telling my mom, I don't believe in God. And she said, oh, yes, you do. You just believe in the wrong God. Yeah, we all have gods, don't we? And we just worship different ones. Could be women, could be money, yeah. could be cars. <laughs> yes, and uh, on that experience, on that on that journey, as you began to lose things, what was the the greatest loss for you? And that, or perhaps what was the, if it wasn't a loss, then what was the thing you needed to leave behind and not bring them with you anymore? Uh, well, first, I think the, the greatest loss of material was I, I only wanted to be rich to buy my mom a house. <laughs> I grew up with a single mom who worked two jobs, packed my dinner in a paper jet bag after she taught second grade and turned up turnstiles with greeting cards at convenience stores. And when I lost everything, I not only had to tell my mom that I had lost my money and all of my assets, but I had lost her house because I didn't take my name off of her title. And so that to me was the most challenging material loss was the blame, the shame, and the justification of losing my mom's home and telling her she had to move. Um, but my greatest loss was my values. I, I was born with a mother who taught me four just foundational values that would lead to abundance in my life, that would lead to empowering others, to empower others in my life, to make significant impact uh, in my life. And I lost my gratitude, and I, ironically, I was so grateful when I had nothing. I, I lost my ability to forgive, to, to be empathetic, to know where I came from and where I wanted to be. I lost my accountability in three realms, not just uh, responsibility, but the law of attraction, surrounding myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas, and also the law of perception, that I was participating in a perception that was so divergent from where I was and where I wanted to be. And I was set here on earth as my mom created me to learn lessons, to provide value, to make people's lives better, to elevate others, to elevate myself. And I had lost those lessons along the lines of responsibility, attraction, and perception. And most importantly, I had to shift my paradigm because as we mentioned earlier, I lost my faith. You know, I, I thought I was in control. I thought, I remember telling my wife 
when I came home the last draw at 5.30 in the morning, completely wasted after lying to her, I went to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John. And uh, I remember her, her telling me, you know, I'm not happy. I'm leaving. I'm worried about you. You're going to end up dead. And I'm not going to be here with our three daughters. And I remember spinning around looking at her saying, who do you think did all of this? How dare you? How dare you talk to me this way? You have lost your mind. If you think that your life is going to be better without me, the great and powerful David Meltzer, look around you. Who do you think did all this? Well, I'll tell you who did it all. God and a bigger source that loved me, protected me and promoted me and put that woman in my life to send a message to me, a call to awaken to who I could be and what I wanted to be instead of wanting to be what other people thought I was. And when I made the shift in paradigm that I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy, I'm here to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. My whole life changed and I started again on a journey of protection and promotion, not punishment. I think for a lot of men, we can relate to your story very much so. I can relate to your story. I lost myself in my own entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey, especially at the beginning, uh, a fear of scarcity, a fear of losing it all again. However, whilst I was in it, I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't aware of the the burnout that was accumulating. And I think for a lot of men listening to this today, they're in similar situations as you probably were some years ago when you were fueled by ego and not by purpose or a higher purpose. And some of these men don't have the the same fortune as you had perhaps in terms of somebody there to tell them how it really is to tell them the truth, like your wife did, to set, your, set you straight, to give you a reality check. So if these men are listening to this podcast today and they're caught in this rat race, they're caught in this loop of chasing abundance but fueled from a place of insecurity or ego, what are some of the potential telltale signs that they are breaking down, that they're on the, the wrong road here? Well, I think the first thing is to take inventory of who you surrounded yourself with. So take inventory and say, hmm, these people are going to the strip clubs all the time that I surround myself with. These people are drinking all the time. They're gambling. They're addicted to sex. They're addicted to the, all. It's funny, man. All the people around me are doing these things. Because I remember telling myself, even when my best friend told me, hey, I don't want to go to the Masters with you because I don't like who you surround yourself with and what you're doing. And I said, full convincingly to myself, I'm not doing what those guys are doing. What, what, you know, I'm not one of those guys. And he said to me, man, you can lie to me all you want, Dave. I've been your friend since the fourth grade. But you got to stop lying to yourself. So I take inventory not only in the people that I'm surrounding myself with, and know that those are only reflections of self, but also take inventory of the ideas. Express quantitatively the ideas that you have. Say them out loud to yourself. 
And if they start sounding a little bit like self-sabotage, like blame, like shame, like justification, then start listening to yourself and listening to yourself as a third party would. And I think if you just take inventory of the people that you've surrounded yourself with and what you're doing, saying, thinking, believing, and feeling, and take inventory of that in a realistic way, you'll know who you are. The reflection of yourself will be quite clear and you will elevate your awareness to the lies that we tell ourselves. I, I take inventory every day on who I am. And I've made a practice of identifying fear. Uh, you talked about ego. Well, when is ego invoked? Evoked? Well, by fear. It's human nature. It's impossible for the, you can't have an egoectomy. You're going to have an ego to protect self from being afraid. So what I've done is created a practice. And I provide this to everyone. There's only two fears in the world. There's fear of the past. It usually emanates as resentment and guilt. And then there's fear of the future, which creates anxiety and worry. Uh, and so what I've done is created a practice of identifying when I'm afraid. And then with those clues, identifying the patterns of how I react to fear in an ego-based consciousness, which is human nature. So I know, for example, from 17 years of doing this practice, that I know one when I'm afraid, either of the past or the future, and I know that I have a need to be offended. I have a need to be superior. I have a need to be inferior. I have a need to be anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, and resentful. These are my primary needs of my ego and how I react, the patterns that I create. I also know that when I have these needs, that I'm not accelerating in the trajectory of where I want to be. I'm accelerating in a trajectory of where I don't want to be. I want to it, it's accelerating in a direction of what's missing, what I don't have, what other people want for me, not what I want. So this simple practice of humility, of saying, hey, I'm afraid. I was molested when I was nine. I'm afraid that I am going to be hurt in some way in this relationship. Someone's taking advantage of me or some other things that occur. And I'm reacting with a need to be superior, to project my insecurity that I let that happen when I was nine. And therefore, instead of resisting it, going over and under it, through it, around it, lying to it, manipulating it, cheating it, or denying it, I'm going to stop and remind, remember, and recollect that I'm protected and promoted, that there's something bigger than me, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, God, Jesus, whatever it may be, that loves me more than my mom, but knows everything. And therefore, Although I'm incapable of understanding or knowing outcomes as they occur, I know and understand one thing, that all outcomes are in my favor, that all outcomes are protecting and promoting me. It's just a matter of time until I can become aware of how it's protecting and promoting me, not punishing Yeah, that's me. incredibly value, valuable because we almost get crippled by that failure or by that mistake. Whereas... It's often not happening to us. It's happening for us. So there's incredible lessons to be gained from that. And from your own experience or from your own expertise, how can you detach yourself from the ego or from the fear and take 
those lessons as a way to empower you towards further growth and progress in your life? Well, I use time as a dependent variable. I study time. I study all types of ways to apply the man-made construct of time. And for me, I don't think, like I said, we could get rid of fear. We could get rid of the ego that reacts or evokes the, the fear itself. And for me, I just use plain time. I say to myself, I'm going to spend minutes and moments in this fear. I'm going to spend minutes. So I become competitive within myself in order to effectuate utilizing the 24 hours each day that I'm almost guaranteed in a trajectory of where I think I want to be or better by giving the meaning to my past, defining moments, setbacks, failures, mistakes, void shortages, and obstacles. You see, I immediately identify fear and then I use time to spend minutes and moments in the fear and the ego-based consciousness that is evoked by that fear instead of spending days, weeks, months, and years accelerating in the wrong trajectory. And I simply know that time is the dependent variable of all matter. It is the dependent variable in which I can quantify anything. I can say, oh, I want to get better at not feeling guilty. Well, how much time did I spend feeling guilty today? I know that if I spend less time feeling guilty tomorrow, I've made improvement. I've made progress. And so time for me seems to be the simple quantitative evaluation that allows me to spend the majority of my activity in a trajectory of where I want to be, not in a trajectory of what's missing, what I don't have, what other people How do you do that? For me. By practicing, identifying fear, seeing the patterns of the ego, and then stopping instead of resisting. The hardest free will, the hardest activity of free will is to stop when we're in ego-based consciousness. When we're afraid and we are at our innate being, the ego has evoked itself to protect ourselves from fear. The hardest activity of free will is to stop and not accelerate in the wrong direction. It's, it, it is the, it's why forgiving the unforgivable is so difficult. Because when we are in ego-based consciousness, when we're looking for revenge, when we're hurt, when we're anxious, frustrated, worried, guilty, resentful, superior, separate, inferior, whatever it may be, I am telling you the hardest, most challenging thing for human nature is to stop and not accelerate in the wrong direction. And so that practice is essential to living a more fulfilled life, to identify what's interfering with that fulfilled omniscient all powerful. See, for me, I have faith there's a unified, abundant, infinite system of thought. And I just have to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. The only way to figure it out is not to resist it, but to stop, breathe, remind, recollect, and remember with that source, with the unified, abundant, infinite system of thought. When I remind, remember, and, and recollect it, then I'm more capable with that power than trying to do it on my own. That guy that was spinning in circles at 5.30 in the morning, wasted out of his mind, telling his wife, who do you think did all of this? That's not who I want to be or where I want to become. Is there some practical steps you can offer the listeners to help them step into that? Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to send these to all, all of uh, your listeners and my book, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to send it, sign it, pay for shipping the book. But these are the five daily practices that I live my life. 
and you know go ahead put it in the notes by david at dmeltzer.com is right there you can follow me but i'll send it here's what it is wake up every morning and say to yourself what do i want today what do i want today these 24 hours personally experientially giving and receiving in a trajectory of the infinite in the trajectory of what i think i want or better knowing that the future is infinite and gratitude of the future is faith that I'm being protected and promoted to that future. And the only limitation of that future of what I want in that trajectory is my own self-image. Therefore, I have to give meaning to the mistakes, setbacks, failures. I have to find the light, the love, and the lessons through gratitude of the past to find the light, the love, and the lessons and the setbacks, failures, mistakes, traumas, void shortages, and obstacles. If I can align the meaning of the past with what I want today in the trajectory of an unlimited future or better, then I can figure out that possibility in my life each day. And now all I need to do is figure out who can I help and who can help me because the fastest way to get what I want is help someone get what they want or find someone who's already in a situation that I want to be in and ask them to give me directions of what I want. Then the how, which is to be productive, accessible, and gracious with my time, then I can prioritize my day. You see, the interesting thing is when you know what's important to you in a trajectory of where you want to be or better, and you're capable of learning from the past in a positive trajectory, you now can prioritize your now and your next. Prioritization is the antidote to what truly interferes with most people's lives, which is one, procrastination, or two, feeling overwhelmed. The re- you cannot procrastinate or feel overwhelmed if you know what's important to you today in a trajectory of where you want to be or better. And when you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, you can apply your why. You're not in search of something that's missing that you don't have that other people want for you. It's a why that is inspired by an omniscient, all-powerful source. You can apply that, which makes you more productive, accessible, and gracious, which allows you to be more effective efficient and statistically successful, which makes you more passionate, purposeful, and profitable in your life. The what, the who, the how, the now, and the why, that's the five daily practices that can transform anyone because what it allows you to do is to have daily behaviors, allows you to enjoy those daily behaviors that are consistent and persistent in the pursuit of your best, your potential. And when we do that, we realize that there is an instant result. Now, we're incapable of understanding or knowing outcomes or results, but with faith, we know one thing. Good behaviors, five daily practices of good behaviors creates good progress. Guaranteed. You may not be aware of that progress. That's why most people quit good behaviors and they'll continue bad behaviors because you're not aware of the bad progress you're creating by drinking, smoking, gambling, cheating, lying, manipulating, etc. But I promise you, mathematically, good behaviors create good progress. Good progress aggregates, accelerates, and compounds exponentially the outcomes eventually that you are aware of. And that's when people will tell you, hey, look at that overnight success. Yeah, 17 and a half years overnight success of good behavior that's been creating good progress that now has quantified in itself to be aware of. And that's true whether it's messy, that's true whether it's Einstein. If you look at their journeys, none of them are overnight successes. They've just 
aggregated good behavior to create good progress until finally it's recognizable. Let's get after it. So where can we access this information? Where can we learn more about you, David? Let us know, please. Well, email me directly. I I literally answer all my emails, david at dmeltzer.com. Luckily, I'm out there on every platform. So if you remember my name and you forget my email, that works. David Meltzer, just find me on every platform. I will send you my books, my guides, my exercises for free for your entire community. David at dmeltzer.com. I appreciate everyone. And remember, most importantly, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. I promise. Thank you, David.